0: Welcome to our 100th episode of Redefined. Now that we've built up your suspense the past few weeks with all the hype, we finally managed to pull this thing together. Hard to believe it's been nine months since we've launched this project, and Baruch Hashem, I am so, so grateful that this has been a source of huzak for so many people across the globe. Knowing that we're all in this thing together has turned this tremendous challenge of Shadokim into a shared experience. And through being a part of this, each of you play a role. So thank you for joining us on this journey. In honor of reaching this milestone, we created a mashup of all 99 clips. And I have to say, listening to the audio has really brought back memories. So I hope you'll enjoy. Just a little comment. I know that many of you listen on the podcast. Baruch Hashem, the podcast analytics have registered at over 4,500 at this point. But this episode contains a lot of visual. So I suggest that you subscribe by emailing redefinednotleftbehind at gmail.com so you could view this clip. And now, here goes the Redefined Mashup! So I've been in Shadacham for nine years at this point. Yeah, that's a lot of free Sprite and a lot of Merzah Shem Use your pain to help others because you understand them better than anyone else. So we've all heard a million times that life's not a race, but at the end of the day, it's kind of hard not to feel depressed when everyone around us seems to be hitting checkpoints while we're stuck in our dead-end mazes. It's not about getting from point A to point B. Real life is about the journey not about the destination. One of the worst parts of Shaddachem, at least for me, is the unknown. Like, okay, if he's not going to be showing up for the next while, fine, at least let me mark his arrival date on my calendar so I could schedule my life in the interim. One of the biggest questions that people have in their approach to Shaddachem is the balance between Hashtablos and bitachon. We need to get out of this mindset of cause and effect. Our actions are not what lead to the results. To me, it's a really comforting thought because when I stress over whether or not I should have done this or I should have done that, instead of eating myself up, I remind myself that as long as I'm doing normal efforts, I'm fine and Hashem doesn't need my help. So after being in Shazam for a while, you start noticing how the options seem to be dwindling and the caliber of suggestions seem to be plummeting rather drastically and it's very easy to fall into the trap of believing that there's no one out there for you and that either you're never going to get married or you'll have to marry someone who's totally not up to par. So I actually googled the words down day just to see what would come up. and. The first thing that appeared was the following definition, which I really got a kick out of. It said down day. Noun. A day of emotional distress in which activities mostly include thinking terrible thoughts about oneself or one's life, eating too much or not eating at all, and hiding under the blankets. This attitude of you gotta do what you gotta do because you don't have any other choice is so amazingly powerful. This is how successful people operate. They don't throw the towel in. They force themselves to carry on because quitting is not an option for them. The more you believe in Hashem's ability to bring you good, the more Hashem will actualize that belief. But if your attitude is, "Yeah, I may have some skeletons in my closet and a few sketchy relatives," but I know that I don't need to give up on my dreams for a good because Hashem isn't limited or held back by anything. But after a long, long while, especially when I know I've been davening with all my heart and soul, it could get really discouraging to keep at it day after day after day. Like, why is Hashem not giving me what I'm asking for? Doesn't He see how much I'm begging Him for this? It must mean He doesn't love me. If He loved me, He would give it to me everyone else has it, I should also. Some of Hashem's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Because we're asking for things that are not good for us. So does that mean that all those Tfilas went straight to the garbage can? Sometimes the answer isn't no. The answer is not yet. So if you're davening for a sherach again and again and again, each tefillah is building up your bank account. So by the time he comes, you're going to get someone that's so amazing because so many tefillahs were accrued in your Shadokh bank account. If every time we davened for something, we got it that second, there would be no more challenge in davening, and we wouldn't have an opportunity to work on our amuna. Full disclosure over here. I occasionally read the teen version of these less than a day books and I happen to find them to be very relatable. So I'm not sure what that says about my maturity level, but whatever. Sometimes when we dive in well, Hashem will prevent a bad thing from happening to us, but we'll never know because it didn't happen. So Here you are, all busy complaining about the unfairness of your circumstances, and while your complaints may help you gain some temporary sympathy, you have to realize that commiserating with people around you isn't exactly a bonding activity. Like no one ever says, what I really like about her is that she feels sorry for herself. I once heard a really awesome line, probably one of the best lines I've ever heard. Imagine if every day you woke up with only the things that you thanked Hashem for the night before. Good one, no? Suddenly there are 10 million things that you realize you wouldn't be able to live without. I've run the gamut, ranging from the classics, like davening at the Kosa, Kavarachal, Kavaray Tzadikim, getting bachos from every gadol who came to town, um, reciting Nishmas for 40 consecutive days, I flew to Lezhansk, i for it to home twice on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, um, you name it, I've done it. Here's the million-dollar question. What happens when the anticipated result doesn't seem to play out the way you expected? Do you throw everything out the window? If the sheikh wasn't meant to work out, then why go through the whole ordeal at all? Like, why did you need to invest all that emotional energy into dating that guy if it wasn't meant to be? And why did they need to investigate every last detail about your personal life if it anyways wasn't going to even get to first base? We're in shul and we're looking around and we notice she got married this year and she got married and she got married. And here I am, same as always, no status change whatsoever. I'm exactly the same as I was a year ago. Until now, you and your friends were basically on the same page in life, and suddenly it's like, yikes, she's getting ahead of me. I hate to break it to you, but this feeling that you're experiencing has a name, and it's called jealousy with a capital J. One of the most frustrating experiences is having to wait. And unfortunately, the entire shut-off process literally revolves around waiting. We wait for suggestions, and we wait to get a yes, and we wait to hear back after each date. You know what the craziest part of it is? Aside from davening, there's basically nothing you could do to affect the outcome of the decision. When you're in shiddachem, there are plenty of emotional roller coasters that leave us either flying high or down in the dumps. I don't think I need a elaborate here. I'm sure you could all think of a million scenarios where either you're floating on a cloud of euphoria or you're deep in a ditch, muddling through a long, dark tunnel. When you feel like you got the raw deal in life, you're like, nothing good ever happens to me, so why should I be good? When we're in this mood, there's a huge danger of falling and failing and doing not such good things that we normally wouldn't do. Within the Sheref system, I feel like there are a lot of unspoken rules and standards as far as which types of individuals are compatible and which types of families are compatible. But along comes Rosh Hashanah. And on this day, there are no more rules. There are no more limits. So I'm here to say that Billy nadar, if I have the strength, I am going to try to do it again. You know why? Because I don't want to have a transactional relationship with Hashem. And it kind of got me thinking about our favorite topic. You know, the Emir Hashem Bayu topic. This year should be THE YEAR. THE in capital letters. I want to remind you that our focus here in this broadcast is how we on the receiving end should learn how to respond and deal with the inevitable, because whether you like it or not, anyone who's in Tzedachim for more than five minutes is going to experience this in some form, and I'm here to tell you the most practical solutions for remaining a positive and pleasant and likable human being while navigating whatever situations that life throws at you. Beneath their gruff surface, cynics are actually really, really fragile around the idea of expecting anything which they hope for when they've been disappointed again and again. The Yitzhahara is very, very smart and very, very sneaky, and when you're down, that's when you need to be on guard. I'm going to tell you a secret. It's just an excuse. Don't use your life circumstances as an excuse to fail. And you start rationalizing why you're entitled to do something that you normally wouldn't do, stop and tell yourself, this is a test. This is a test. That's it. Instead of that light, happy feeling of excitement, Young became a time where the contrasts were highlighted between me and my friends and me and my siblings. They were married with kids, while I was as single as a Pringle. They were coming as honorary guests, while I was hosting and serving and clearing. Just a heads up, you're all being ordered to make a decoration this year. When you connect to the yantaf itself by enhancing it, you feel so much more involved, and it really makes a huge difference. Whenever I decide to splurge on jewelry, I always tell everyone that my virtual husband bought it for me, so we named him Virtual Bobble. Like, hey, who got you those new earrings? Oh, that? Virtual volvo bought it. Being that this broadcast has somehow turned me into everyone's therapist and rabbitson, one of the most common FAQs, that I'm constantly being asked in some form or another is why is it fair that I have to go through so much pain and suffering while other people, who are not necessarily better than me, get married right away and everything goes so smoothly for them? In other words, life doesn't seem fair. (laughs) Weren't we always taught that Hashem loves us and that His ways are perfect and fair? So how could He allow such pain and suffering? This is love? We have absolutely no clue what's really happening in the world. Even things that we see with our own eyes are often misinterpreted. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors, and for sure we don't know what's going on in other people's minds. Rev. Levi Yitzchak said to them, You know what I would do if I were running the world? I would do exactly like it is right now. Because there's not even the slightest doubt that Hashem runs the world in the most perfect, kindest, and truest way. And it's only because of our human limitations that it doesn't always appear that way to us. Hashem doesn't make mistakes. So here's a problem. Many of us have a need to understand why. We like everything to make sense. We need to see the logic. And that, my friends, is going to be an issue. The place where our seichal ends, where our understanding is limited, that's where Amuna begins. If we understand why something happened, that's not Amuna, that's seichal. And then came date number six. And without going into too many details, our dear darling wannabe Kala became the shocked and devastated recipient of a capital N O. When she walked through the door, Her mother took one look at her face, and the first thing she said was, You never know what Hashem is saving you from. Does it mean that every time a boy says no, we should assume that he's probably a shady criminal who's, I don't know, smuggling drugs, or that he has a long list of mysterious medical issues that were hidden from you? Uh, Probably not, but the point is that when a shinnach doesn't work out, we should be thankful. You should literally think Hashem because it means that this boy was obviously not the right up for you. You don't know what the future has in store for you. Maybe right now you think you know what type of person you need, but down the line you'll experience things that a different husband would be able to handle a lot better. So here's the thing. In our society nowadays, we kind of develop this notion that a fair life means that everything is equal. We all deserve the exact same things as each other. We all deserve to be treated equally. Life is not about everyone getting the exact same thing. If we were all exactly the same, that would kind of make us redundant and unnecessary. The way a person reaches the true depth and essence of tefillah is when he experiences pain and suffering or a lack of something. Tfilah Ani, the prayer of someone who's in pain, it comes from an extremely deep place and someone whose life is all smooth and easy will never be able to reach that same intense, deep feeling. I view Shaddachem as like a serious boot camp. It's not there to destroy you. It's meant to build your strength and your character and help you discover things about yourself that you never knew existed. I came across a random article which was kind of like some sort of workshop on how to create a plot for a story. So, one of the tips which I found really intriguing was use obstacles to enhance character development. As I was reading this piece, I was like, this is exactly what we're talking about. This is what life's all about. And then you glance in the mirror and your heart drops. I mean, Your hair looks totally dysfunctional. How could you risk being seen in public without appearing to be totally glamorous? And the conflict begins. To go or not to go? But how could you leave the house looking anything less than flawless? Who knows which potential shachin or mother-in-law you may bump into on that long walk down the nash aisle in your local grocery store. You brave the trip feeling super bold, and boom, you literally meet every single person you know. Wow, such hashkacha, just the person I wanted to bump into. Read. oh, you're single. So I'm involved with a beautiful organization that deals with blink, 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 and I was wondering, are you available to? After hearing these comments again and again, I noticed that my first instinctive reaction was almost like resentment or annoyance. Like, why am I always the target for these things? Why don't we choose to become valuable members of society? Volunteer! Many times, I've watched girls go to seminary, and then they come back home completely transformed into a regular in, from her than from, as stark as could be. And then they join the corporate world, or go to college, or enter a whole new and, shall we say, slightly more independent stage of life. And you bump into them a while later, and lo and behold, another transformation. Our little rabbitson has changed. So what are we supposed to do? We can't exactly live in a bubble, first of all. We could actually use this to our advantage. We said that people are easily influenced, so you know what you gotta do? You gotta stick around the right people so that if you're getting influenced, it's for the better. You need to have people in your life who you look up to. You need to be extremely careful which environment you throw yourself into. How do we react and behave to all the challenges that we face in Shalachim? Are we stepping on other people's feelings? Are we being careful not to shame or embarrass others? Or are we so goal-oriented and aggressive about obtaining that perfect sheroch to the point where we hurt others in the process? The topic that we're going to be discussing today is something that I believe to be one of the hardest aspects of single life on a daily basis. And that is the issue of balancing our need for independence with the mitzvah of of kibit And for many of us, this is a struggle that probably leaves us feeling frustrated, maybe guilty, and often confused. Contrary to popular belief, and despite the attitude of the secular world around us, the mitzvah of Kibbutz does not end when we turn 18. Instead of looking at it as an extra burden, I need to start viewing it as an opportunity. Part of the package of being single is that I get to earn more opportunities to do this mitzvah. It's kind of hard not to get bored and frustrated by a life where each day is kind of a repeat of the day before. I think it's especially important for us to find things that not only break the monotony, but also give us satisfaction so that we feel like our present lives are valuable and enjoyable. And then last night, one of our subscribers texted me that her sister is getting engaged today. Her younger sister is getting engaged today. I was like, you know what? I think we should order our main pins for our entire broadcast. We by every Simcha. Wouldn't that rock? Instead of having to abandon your plate of salad and stop mid chew to respond to all the brachos, you can now purchase a lovely custom-designed main pin to match your color scheme. Just between me and you, I mean... This isn't going anywhere, right? So I'll let you in on a little secret. I do not have a date every night. I don't even have a date every other night. I don't even have a date every week. Okay, I'm not gonna go any further, but you get the point. Bottom line is that we often feel like nothing is happening. And it's very disheartening. Like here I am, davening and davening and Zuch. Total radio silence. Even though it appears as though nothing's happening, Beneath the soil, events are taking place. Often, we're davening and davening, and to us, it appears like nothing's happening. But in reality, Hashem is busy arranging events in the world in order to bring about our shidduch. I can't even tell you how often on this long and bumpy shidduch journey that I felt like I literally just cannot do it anymore. That's it. I'm finished. But then I look back at all these years, and somehow I'm still here to tell the tale. And I realized that there was no way I could have gotten through this on my own. I usually take these things pretty well, but I remember getting off the phone. I was about to run into a store, but all thoughts about shopping were abandoned. Instead, I was sitting in the parking lot just crying my eyes out. Firstly, because I was a bit insulted, like... I thought I was compromising by going out with him and here he had the chutzpah to say no to me. And second, I was pretty sure that there was no other normal option out there for me. Like that's it. There's no one else even semi-decent for me to marry in this world. I'm a lost case. I don't like rain. I wish it wasn't raining. My day would be better if it wasn't raining. My day is ruined. Every day is like this. It's always like this. Why does it always rain when all I want is for it to be sunny? Acceptance is not just passive behavior. It's a willful act. It's a choice. We could choose to resist, and then we're basically signing ourselves up for misery, because guess what? You can't change the reality. So I know that Verizon isn't exactly our local Masar Seythar, but their slogan actually gave me some food for thought. How many of us live our lives waiting for the future? I won't talk for anyone else, but for me personally, I definitely viewed my after-seminary time as just a short little stage that I would go through where I would wait a couple of months or so till my husband came along on a white horse, and then real life would begin. So I lived in that fantasy for about a year or two, until I realized, reality check, this is not just a brief intermission. And isn't it a shame if we stay stuck on the starting line when we could be accomplishing so much in this world? I'm sure many of you can relate to this feeling where you invest all this energy into a and then when it's over, you're like, gosh, now that was a grand waste of time. Like, zero progress. Back to where we started. Here we go again. I never noticed this before, but the word Yanchini, Hashem leads me, is a palindrome. It could be read backwards and forwards. This hints that even when things seem backwards and wrong, it's all for the good. And it's actually the right direction. When their friends get married... They're in their own world, and they can't comprehend or relate to how hard Shadokham is, and they basically feel like they lose their friends. Each friend that gets married is like another loss for them.
1: The same way my jobs have fallen out of the sky, my husband is going to fall out of the sky. I don't know when, I don't know how. Obviously, it's going to have to look like Teva, but he's
0: going to fall from the sky. Shadduchim completely consumes us, and we tend to turn all our focus onto things that we can't even control. We have to remember that there are so many other aspects of our life, so let's at least try not to become totally consumed by the one thing that's not even in our hands. Every Shadduchim is kind of like a full scale production. Like, we almost need to hire a project manager to pull together the whole process, with a whole crew of messengers and go-betweens. There are so many steps along the way, so it kind of makes sense that often things go wrong. The shadchan didn't do a good job communicating, or the reference botched up on the information call. We all play the blame game. This is a game where no one ever wins. But we do it anyways. You know why? Because... We need to find a reason why things in our lives aren't where we want them to be. The people involved are just messengers. They don't get to determine the outcome. We can make all the right moves or all the wrong moves and have the best intentions or the worst intentions. At the end of the day, the outcome is completely in Hashem's hands. When a sheruch falls through, Instead of pointing fingers and finding reasons why it could have, would have, should have worked out, but didn't, let's remind ourselves that Hashem is running the world and he's the only one who determines what's meant to be. The ones who are totally falling apart are generally, well not always, but often in the age 21 to 23 range. And they're like a wreck because... They keep watching their friends getting married, one after the next, and it's kind of hard to keep going to all these weddings and deal with all the hype. Just because people appear to have perfect lives, most of the time it's not the case. Social media has created a world in which everyone, except for us of course, seem to be having the most picture-perfect lives, and also everyone is so easily accessible, for comparison. It's hard not to feel jealous. So here's my new trick. You know how like, you hear about someone you know who got engaged, and when you hear who they're engaged to, you're like, what, how did that shit ever happen? Or when you know about someone who dated a million people, and then when they finally get engaged, usually to no one special, you kind of wonder like, what did they see in that person that they didn't see in the other bajillion people that they met? When a shalach is meant to be, nothing could hold it back. Hashem will literally make these people's brains think thoughts that make no sense, if that's what it takes to bring two people together. In the caption, I wrote something like, imagine how much more relaxing my life would be if I didn't actually do this thing. And Vohar responded, life ain't a walk in the park. And Sarah sent me a whole speech about how life is about pushing ourselves and stepping outside of our comfort zones to become better and greater and stronger and impacting other people. And she was like, it's cool to look back and be like, oh, I could have done nothing and nothing would have happened. Don't miss out on something that could be great just because it could also be difficult. When it comes to Shadokim, unless you marry the first person you date, Disappointments are inevitable. Here you were all excited and looking forward to this date, which you spent three hours doing your hair and makeup for. And then the guy shows up at the door and it's a DOA, dead on arrival. So the question is this. Should we make ourselves vulnerable and go into each date with hopeful anticipation and excitement, which means that there's a greater risk that we'll face disappointment? Or should we be cautiously optimistic, or zero expectations at all? I wonder how much of this is actually a decision, and how much of this is just instinct. Some people are just naturally more optimistic, and some people are just naturally more cynical. It's not as simple as just making a decision before each date how you're going to feel. No matter how impossible the situation seems, no matter how forgotten you feel, Hashem is waiting to bring about the Yeshua and not just anything run-of-the-mill, but extraordinary things. Hashem can bring about miracles. No matter how old you are, Hashem can bring you your Shadok and not just an average guy, but a superstar. The whole long unknown journey, it could be rough, but even when things are hard, Hashem sends us these like, little gifts along the way to show us that he's looking out for us from within the difficulty. If they always tried to make calculations what the future held in store for them, they never would have been able to survive for even one day. But we as Jews don't make chashbonos. We don't make calculations. Living in the moment is a big thing. You know why? Because your life is happening right now. I have this thing where every Yantif, I always assume that the next time that Yantif comes around a year later, I'll for sure be married. The first night of Hanukkah, reality always hits me pretty hard that once again, there is no husband lighting that menorah for me, except maybe virtual Volvo for those of you who still remember him. I was thinking about this and I'm like, this must have been like the worst reference call ever. If this was a sheroch call, it would have been the biggest disaster. We need to stop worrying so much about the details. We get so caught up with the details. And it's really giving us stress for no good reason. Because when something is meant to be, Hashem will make sure that everything falls into place. And no one, not even the worst reference ever, could affect it. I don't know who coined all those cliches that people say to girls in Shadachem, but somehow we have like an entire language of all these one-liners, and anyone in our circles knows exactly what each one means. But there's one line that, even though it's totally true, I never liked hearing it, and I'll tell you why. Spoiler alert, it's today's title. The line is, the right one at the right time. So I know 100% that it's absolutely correct, but it never gave me a because every time someone says it, I'm like, okay, but I don't know when the right time is. It might be in five months, it might be in five years. So why in the world are people telling me that? I'm still left with the unknown just like before. Sometimes we feel like finding a shorach is a huge complicated situation that requires a tremendous amount of effort and arm twisting, and a team of professionals, and all sorts of maneuvers to bring it about. But the truth is, the shirach is already set in place. It's all figured out. The solution is already there the entire time. You get this desperate urge to just like, do something to find your sherach because you are so sick and tired of just waiting around for something to happen and nothing is happening your husband is not showing up so you frantically start texting shachanem and whatever other practical ideas you could think of until finally it hits you that you are completely powerless there's literally nothing in the world you could do to bring about your sherach I'm not saying you shouldn't do normal heshtavos, I'm just pointing out that Shadduchim are from Hashem, and doing an extreme, excessive amount of networking with the assumption that it's making your Shadduch come quicker is just an illusion of control. There's a power that comes from accepting our powerlessness. Sometimes, just admitting that we're powerless is almost like a relief. Acknowledging that we're powerless freeze us to stop trying to do everything. We drive ourselves crazy and it's ridiculous because it's getting us nowhere. It's overkill, plain and simple. Even though we feel stuck in a particular situation, a lot of how we experience it and the thoughts that we have and the emotions that affect us will really be based upon our attitudes and perceptions and outlook. Suddenly, these moments could switch from challenges into opportunities. From frustration or even anger, into gratitude and motivation. Again, it doesn't change the actual situation. You're still in Jadalchem, just like before. But it changes you and the way you deal with your life. Three people could experience a similar situation, but if each of them have different thoughts that pop up, It will trigger three different types of emotions, which will then change the approach that they choose to take. So changing the thought actually changes the result. So here's the bottom line. To a certain extent, you get to choose how you think about a situation, which impacts how you feel and act, which then influences the results that you get. Whenever it gets really intensely challenging, and I feel like I just can't handle another second of it, I remind myself that maybe specifically because it's so hard, maybe Hashem is like contracting a few extra years that I was meant to go through this challenge into a shorter amount of time so that it could be over quicker. Please make a chaza clip for all of us who are still filing taxes as single. I was still hoping to get the tax break this year. The way I view my life right now is that I have some really big bumps and some smaller ones. And while we tend to attribute the big things to Hashem, we sometimes forget that literally every detail of our lives is decided by Him. Even my taxes become a custom-designed detail that was added into my life, or rather detracted in this case. It's, It's not just like an accident of circumstances. Back in August, When we started this whole thing, I recorded a clip called The Social Hierarchy Mentality. And it was basically about how when you're single, regardless of whether this is a reality or just your perception of things, it often feels like you have this intrinsic deficiency or shortcoming that places you on the bottom of the social hierarchy. And only when you earn your MRS do you finally move up a rung on the ladder into the elevated upper class. But apparently, it's a good thing I have editors who review my work, we have this exclusive little group chat called Editorial Board with Mrs. Song and i Nathan. Don't get jealous, nothing exciting goes on there. Both of them came back with the same feedback, unapproved. It's too negative, too cynical. So here's the question. How much of this social hierarchy is a reality? And how much of it is our perception? For example, I once met a parent who wanted to know if it was normal to get advice from random people on the internet, so we asked some random people on the internet for advice about that. Is that the type of parent who you think should be giving advice? Once you graduate and you start working and shidduchem, lots of situations crop up, and not always do girls have someone they could turn to for guidance. Should it be a teacher, a rav, a parent, a friend? You have to know the right address because I'm pretty sure it's not the Yeshiva World Coffee Room or some random blog. Advice needs to be asked to someone who's A. familiar with the subject you're asking about and B. is not biased in their opinion. So it's a very tricky blend. Don't ignore your gut feeling. Whether it's about Shadachim or a job, I find that Often we kind of know deep down what the right choice is, but when you start asking people and they convince you into something, it doesn't always end well. When I started tzeduchem years ago, hardly anyone I knew was sending photos. We sent a resume, the other side called some references, and that was that. Sometimes the boy's mother would come spy on us by weddings, which always added a thrilling touch to every sumcha that we went to, but that was as far as it got. Then the Shiroch system was influenced by the world of technology, and resumes started flying across the world and became accessible to every wannabe Shadchan and posted on all these group chats and who knows what else. Like, I'm scared to know how many databases in the world are storing my personal information without me even knowing about it. Yep, it's a crazy world. We are so overly influenced by Hollywood secular culture, whatever you want to call it, we've totally lost focus of the purpose in a marriage in the first place. The concept that a boy is gonna nix a girl or not based on completely objectifying her, what she looks like in a photo, it's it's really off-putting, not Jewish at all.
1: I am not pro-pictures myself, but as a shotgun, unfortunately, I can't fight the system, whoever started the whole picture thing. I know boys' mothers ask for pictures, and many times they won't look into a resume without seeing a picture.
2: I wish that pictures would never have started to be requested in the first place. I think
1: they have caused a lot, of, a lot more harm than good. The picture is not going to have you marry the wrong person. Um, and the wrong person is not
0: going to want to marry you for your picture. It's all minna Mayam. Not a single girl, not even one, came back saying that she likes the idea of sending shirach photos and that she finds that it enhances the process. In fact, one of our subscribers, Shira, suggested that we should all start a shirach photo strike. So I was never comfortable sending pictures, and I really did try to avoid doing it as much as possible, but I never wanted to be difficult or confrontational, so I did do it often
1: enough against my will. They spent some time really picking apart my picture and, and crit- critiquing it and making suggestions about how I could you know,
0: improve it so that maybe it would help me more if I had a better picture. I n- never have, and I've definitely gotten a lot of pressure and criticism because of that, but that's okay. Um, and I've just been thinking, you know, how people say that this, this is to shtadlis to send the picture. I'm not sure shtadlis has to mean sacrificing pieces of yourself to, like, feed to this angry God, shidduchim, and keep it happy with you.
1: When they were born, you think you're having sleepless nights with four very small children, but that's nothing compared to having them approaching shidduch age. Proud to say that I have never asked for a picture from my boys and I have also never allowed a picture to be sent out for my girls. To ask a mother to cheapen her daughter by sending a picture is to
0: me the worst of it. I often think, who would know if I put in someone else's picture? Is that sneaky? I guess it is, but worth a try, don't you think? When we think about the story of Kriya Siamsev, it's almost impossible to view it from Benesrao's perspective because like, spoiler alert, the sea is going to be splitting, so no need to panic. There was no visible solution. Did they ever in a million years imagine that this massive body of water in front of them was just like going to split and clear the way for them to escape? But when we look back at the events, in hindsight, it's all smoothly worked out. Like, duh, just jump into the water, it's going to be splitting, no worries. So I think Shaddachim are a lot like this. The right one at the right time. This comment rings in the ears of every girl from the time she enters Shaddachim until the night of her L'chaim. How annoying and insensitive. And do they even know what they're saying? Why can't Hashem just let me find him earlier if I'll marry this guy eventually anyway? When was the last time you heard someone tell the kala at her wedding, or someone say in their Shavah Brachos speech, what a great time to find the sherach? Instead, all we hear is, what a wonderful chasen you have, or they are such a perfect sherach. All of a sudden, the only thing that matters is that she met the right one, but it doesn't matter anymore that it happened at the right time. So why do people think that it makes me feel good to hear that there's a right time for it to happen, maybe even 20 years away? Of course the queen made the perfect shiddachim, and of course we do the right thing by trying to find the right one. The big deal isn't matching up personalities. Rather, the big deal is meeting him at the perfect time, at the right stage in life, the right time of year, and even the right time of day. Otherwise, it would be a disaster. We know that Tu is Rosh Hashanah for the elon, for the tree, so if that's the case, Let's go into the forest, chop down a tree, bring the tree into our homes, and for Hitler mitzvah, you may even want to start decorating it. But nope. Instead, we bring in the fruits of the tree, but not the tree itself. As far as people are concerned, the tree, the person, is irrelevant. What is relevant are a person's fruits, their masum tovim, their actions. And the boss is like... Isn't this the laptop I gave you? And he's like, yeah, look at it. It's amazing, not a single scratch on it. And the boss is like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, what did you do the last six months? Everyone is born into a different set of circumstances. We all have different qualities and also we don't all receive the same package. Some people are rich, some are poor, right? Some are healthy and some are not. Some girls get married at 19 and some girls are in Shaduchim for years and years. And it's important to constantly remind ourselves that these things are just the tree. Of course we'd love to have a nice life, but that's not what our goal is. Our goal is the fruit, what we choose to do with the tools that Hashem has given us. And after our when we come to Shomayim, that's the only thing that's going to matter in the eyes of Hashem.
2: My
1: father said, I don't know if you're right. Halachically, it's not a problem. And um, maybe this is the established that you need to do. This reminds me of the story of the bocha in Raden who could not find a shidduch. And his friends told him that the girls don't like beards. And the reason why he's not finding a shidduch is because he grew a beard. He should shave off his, off his beard and then he'd be in a different position. So this bocha went to the Chofetz Chaim and told him what his friends had said. And the Chofetz Chaim said no. You grew a beard for a good reason, you're a bentireh, and it was the right thing for you. And undoing a good thing is never his list. It's like when you're in a train and you want the train to go faster, so you push the seat in front of you.
0: Being in Shadokham is a very confusing journey and many girls go through almost like an identity crisis along the way. Things also happen that influence our decisions you know, today she wants a working boy, Tomorrow she wants a learning boy. We used to know what we believed in and we used to think in a certain way, but Shadokham is confusing and it's easy to forget what, what we once stood for because suddenly it's about pleasing the world and trying to gain people's approval when people start telling you how to be and what you need to do in order to become prime real estate on the off market, you do not need to start remaking yourself into someone who's totally not you, just in order to satisfy public opinion. And anyways, wouldn't it be pathetic to marry someone who's only going to appreciate the fake version of you? That's a pretty big disaster as far as I'm concerned. Officially, we're adults. We have our own lives and our own schedules, and we're independent, and we may even be paying our own bills. So you're really big. And what might happen is that you feel like you've aged out of helping at home. The whole concept of helping means that basically you're someone else's assistant. And at a certain age, you're supposed to be transitioning from assistant into boss. Like, aren't we supposed to be running our own homes like our married friends? Aren't we supposed to be in charge of keeping house? So washing dishes in your own home feels totally normal, but being asked to do it kind of feels somewhat belittling of our status. There are very few people out there who haven't been hurt one way or another, during the shutoff process. Even the most wonderful people make mistakes and say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and we get burned because of them. When someone doesn't treat us properly, our instinctive reaction is to stereotype and to develop negativity towards that group. And that's a very slippery slope. That's where you need to stop and tell yourself don't judge Judaism by Jews. You need to separate their bad behavior, which was very wrong and very terrible, from the Torah mitzvahs, which are good. In Mazol Yisrael, we're not controlled by luck or by chance, because Hashem orchestrates everything that happens for a purpose, and he's guiding every detail. Am I living with the mindset of a Malik? that if things don't play out the way I think it's meant to be, then all is lost. In order for my life to work out, I need to get married at this specific age to this specific type of person. And only if I could give this amount of money for support and have this type of job will I be able to find the shadach. And oops, I was born into the wrong family. Now I'm doomed for life. When I saw this, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is exactly what we feel like. We're going through a challenge. For us, it's about Shaddachim, but it could really be anything. And we're like, okay, Hashem, we get it. We need to improve before we could get married. I get the message. So we really, really work on ourselves. You know, I think girls in Shaddachim are the most growing group of people I have ever seen. We finally feel like we've nailed it. Like, now Hashem will see how much I've improved. But Surprise, surprise, no husband is on the horizon. And it's very disappointing. So when that happens, we should remind ourselves that maybe this is a test. Maybe Hashem wants to see if you're really sincere about it and if you'll be able to hold on to what you've worked on no matter what. Even when things seem unclear, that's the moment when we turn to Hashem because we realize that only He can save us. Like literally nothing and no one can save us except for Hashem. There's not one human being in this world who can bring about our sharaq. It's completely in Hashem's control. I'm not saying you shouldn't do any ashtados, but I suggest that you devote a bigger chunk of your time talking to Hashem because that's time well invested. And he says, Is there anybody up there? Is there anybody up there? And a voice says, yes, I'm here and I'm going to save you. But first, you have to show your faith. Let go of the branch. The guy thinks about it and goes, is there anybody else up there? So I remember sitting there, I think it was a Friday, and I literally went through all my contacts and deleted every single Sharchin's email and phone number, like totally purged from my phone. I was so done with the whole Shalach system. It's very easy to praise Hashem when all the pieces fall into place. But you know what our job is? Our job is to believe in Hashem even before the puzzle is completed. If you only recognize Hashem with ma'freya when you look back at your life and see how everything was for the good, that's not good enough. That's easy. The goal is to recognize and to praise Hashem even during the hard times while we're still in the middle of Shaddachem and we have no idea where or when or how things will work out because we believe without a doubt that Hashem is arranging our lives perfectly. We kind of begin to feel like, help, like, is there anyone out there for me? But the truth is, the solution is already there. Our shidduch has already been created for us before we were even born. And it makes it so much easier to bear when we know that the problem is already solved. It's just a matter of traveling on the journey till we get there. Raise your hand if you just love being in shidduchim. Raise your hand if you love waiting around for suggestions. Raise your hand if you love getting a no. Yep, just as I thought. None of you are loving this. When things come easy, it doesn't have as much value. If life is hard, if your Avodah Hashem is difficult, then you should actually appreciate it because it becomes more valuable. Life is meant to have challenges. That's how we're here. If it's too easy, it's actually a sign that something's wrong. There should be struggles. Can I just make a random comment? You know the type that when you fall off the radar for a bit, you feel a need to explain to everyone why you weren't available so that no one should Khalila mistakenly think that you're getting engaged? In the beginning, things tend to be new and exciting, and we're more enthusiastic and positive about it. But as time goes on, and we've been going through the same motions again and again, Aside from becoming extremely frustrated, we also start to run out of steam. And all those hopeful and optimistic feelings are very quickly fading away. As much as we try to keep our enthusiasm going and to treat every tefillah and every shiddach with excitement, there's a limit to how many times you could press the reset button. Running all over the country to meet every last Shadchan and chasing every elusive lead is not bringing your off closer or quicker. All it does is burn you out. You can really apply the same trick into your own life. Keep filling your mind with inspiring information and it will keep you motivated. And FYI, it really works. So, for example, I found that when I started learning a short daily lesson on Tfilah, suddenly my davening became more meaningful because I was learning so many new ideas about the same words that I've been saying for years. And then it doesn't feel repetitive because I gained a whole new perspective. And this could be applied to many areas of your life. But here's the thing. It doesn't last. Just like showers don't last. You gotta do it daily. You can't begin to imagine... How many of your problems will literally just disappear if you get the proper amount of sleep? Listen to me, because I'm very experienced in this area. You cannot fight reality. Your hair will not triumph over nature. It will look okay on day one if you sleep on your nose, and it will not be so glamorous by day two, and it's going to be downright gross by day three. And that's that. So just accept it, honey, because you'll feel a lot less frustrated when you know from the get-go that this is a battle you will not win. The shidduch process could be degrading, especially if you're someone who values your privacy. Like suddenly these strangers are entitled to poke into your personal life, and it's not a very comfortable feeling. As singles, we have many uncomfortable experiences, and it's very easy to become a person who's just angry at the world for being so insensitive. And I get it. Like, I'm in this thing too, remember? But at the end of the day, it's just going to make you an angry and unhappy person. I realized that we actually have the power to turn the whole thing around. If we're able to come up with a reasonable or even not-so-reasonable explanation for their behavior. And sometimes you need to be creative here and use your imagination. But suddenly, when you're Dahlakov's chus, you have a whole new view of the situation. You know, while I was doing this, I discovered something very interesting. Some of the comments that girls found to be extremely hurtful, I was like, really? I wouldn't think twice if someone said that to me. And... That made me realize how every person is sensitive to different things. I guess a lot depends on their personal circumstances or experiences, but it just emphasizes the idea that people don't necessarily have bad intentions. What they consider to be a perfectly innocent comment could rub somebody else the wrong way. So I told this girl that she needs to look at it like this. Isn't it so amazing that we're literally walking pieces of inspiration for other girls just by existing? Like, they look at how old we are compared to them, and then they don't feel so bad about themselves anymore, so we're their source of chazak, just like that. That's pretty cool if you ask me. If you want something, continue crying until you get it. Ever saw a baby who's hungry? All he does is cry and cry. You could sing and dance and give speeches like nothing doing. That baby will cry nonstop up until the second that he's finally fed. While this baby is crying, do you know what's happening? His level of perseverance is actually becoming stronger. The more you have to push for something, the more you build up your muscles and you develop grit and determination and stick-to-itiveness. That's my new favorite word, by the way. Some texts and voice notes are more dramatic than others, but the bottom line is there's nothing more horrible than being rejected. That feeling of being unwanted. Aside from the disappointment and the dashed hopes, which of course is a crushing blow, it's more than that. Like, even if our logical minds are telling us that it probably just wasn't the right fit, or a lack of chemistry, somehow we walk away feeling inadequate. Like, it must be there's something wrong with me if someone said no to me. Like, maybe I'm just not likable. Never say ma dua, why. Instead, say ma dea, what can I learn from this? What purpose can come from this? Not lama, why, but lima, for what. For what is this challenge coming into my life right now? Nobody wants challenges, but if you're going through it, then at least let it be purposeful so that it's not for nothing. For those of you who missed it, T4 is short for therefore what? And is basically used as a response to someone who's trying to incorporate some bragging or name-dropping into a story, like... Oh my gosh, I'm zonked. My aunt slept me all over town yesterday and literally made me try on every single top in Neiman Marcus. Sometimes, because we ourselves are going through challenges in Shidduchim, we forget that even we could be causing someone else pain. Don't flaunt your blessings, stop humble bragging. And be aware that the very thing that you're complaining about, someone else might be davening for. A lot of our connections with people come from sharing our lives and experiences with them. So if everything that one of us doesn't have becomes a taboo subject, then how could we maintain a true friendship? We live in the most offended society to ever grace the planet. And because we're surrounded by such a culture where Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato Head and Dove Soap are considered offensive and apologies are demanded from anyone who says something that someone didn't like, um, everyone is starting to feel like a victim. But here's the thing. Living the life of a victim where every comment insults us is the most miserable existence ever. When you're so busy focusing on how hurt you are, you're not able to enjoy the nice parts of life. Anyone who's been in Shaddachem for more than like five minutes knows the truth. Equal opportunity? Baloney! Some people are just going to have an easier time than others, and it may have something to do with their last name, or their bank account, or their connections. When the raven is born, its parents abandon it because it has different coloring, So they literally have no one to care for them. But Hashem makes sure that they're fed and supported, and that's how they survive. No matter how vulnerable and alone that someone feels, no matter how disadvantaged you might feel in the world of Shadaham, you don't have to worry because Hashem has more connections than anyone. I'm sick and tired of begging and nudging, (sighs) running after Shad Khanim, following up, networking, trying another way to get an idea off the ground, finding people who have an in with the guy to try and pressure him to give it a shot or at least get him to make an info call. It's like a never-ending chase that just feels so beneath my dignity the grove says that when it comes to Shadokim, you don't have to do any Ishtabos. The only reason why people do Ishtabos in Shadokim is to keep themselves calm. But really, when it's the right time, even an iron wool won't be able to stop it. I think we all agree that as singles, we're under a tremendous amount of pressure because we feel like we're on public display and that We're being judged for our shidduch worthiness at any given moment, and we can't afford to mess up. And that's a very heavy burden to always carry around. The more you focus on making decisions based on values, suddenly you're not going to care as much what other people think about you because you'll develop a confidence in who you are and what you're doing. Then i'm getting a bit drastic here comparing with Savers to um resumes but um it, it really makes you think like how do you want to be remembered how do you want people to know you like what what's your reputation like, that that's what i mean when i say discover myself is that i actually really have to like you have to know who I am. And, you know, and that question of what kind of boy are you looking for? Like, oh, I hate that question. But, like, you have to really think, well, what kind of guy am I looking for? Like, what kind of life do I want? Horror of horrors. Your husband will not be there to taste your 10,000 calorie cheesecake. But this year, you don't have to worry because you'll be too busy appreciating the beautiful insights that you've learned about since you took the time to read the Book of Our Heritage and the R Scroll Commentary Amigalas Rus and the Torah Wall Springs booklet. It's not a contest of who has it worse. Instead of comparing our suffering to theirs, how about taking ourselves out of the picture and just trying to be there for others?